You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as the family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. Hey, good morning. How are you doing today? Man, it is great to be in Messina. Did I say it right? New York. People come to Oregon and call it Oregon. And so I just want to make sure I get it right. Uh, it's been 29 years since I've been here. How many were here 29 years ago when I was here? Do you remember I used to have hair? It was good. Um, that's how long it's been. And uh, man, I'm so excited to be back. And I love what God is doing here at NTC. And most importantly, I love your pastors, both Pastor Greg and Jessica. How many of you guys think that you have uh, some of the absolute best pastors on planet Earth? You could do better than that. That deserves a backflip. It's so great to be with you today. Hey, I want to share with you uh, something that's on my heart today, and I believe more so that it's on the heart of God. Um, it's very evident that we're living in very difficult times. And so this morning, I wanted to start just a little bit different, and I wanted to ask you some soul-searching questions. I just want you to stop and think about this for a second. First of all, how many of you would recognize that we are facing a real challenge to really discern, like, what is God really doing in these days? Come on, wave at me if that's you. The rest of you, you can come pray for me. Come on. I think that this is a very complex time. Like, here's my next question is this, like, how many struggle that in the midst of these crazy times to really discern, like, like, how do I respond to them? Like, what role do I play? Like, what should I say? What shouldn't I say? What should I do? What shouldn't I do? Is there anybody out there that kind of struggles with that? I know I do as a pastor. Here's where it gets better. How many actually think that the Bible has something to say to give us some direction? Come on, that should be every hand. You know, I love crowd participation. If I've got to come down there and lift your hand myself, I mean, we're going to do this. Come on. How many believe that the Bible has something to say about everything that's going on? But here's the challenge. How many of us struggle to interpret the times and seasons in which we live and to know what to do? And I thought I would start by telling you a story of a lady that lived in England. And she had gone to Switzerland and fell in love with this beautiful country, decided to move there. And so she found this, this job working as a school teacher, and the schoolmaster helped her to find this beautiful, quaint cottage out in the country. She's so excited about it, she goes home to pack up her stuff in England, but while she's there, she begins to think about her place, and she didn't remember seeing a WC at the location. Now, if you're from England, you know that a WC stands for water closet. It's a place that you go to the bathroom. So she writes a letter to the schoolmaster in Switzerland and asks him, if there was a WC in her room. Now, the, 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 the schoolmaster, he, he's never heard the term WC before, so he Googles it, and what pulls up first is Wayside Chapel. So he, he thinks that she's talking about a church, and so he writes this response back to her. Ms. Smith, I look forward to your move. Regarding your question about the location of the WC, 
It's situated about two miles from your home. And it's in the center of a beautiful grove of pine trees. Your WC seats 229 people, but not many people go on the weekdays. I suggest that you plan to go on a Thursday evening when there's a sing-along. He goes on and says, the acoustics are quite remarkable, and we all enjoy the happy sounds that echo through the WC. Sunday mornings, they're really crowded. The locals tend to arrive early, and many bring their lunches to make a day of it. And those who arrive just in time can usually be squeezed into the WC before things start, but not always. Best to go early if you can. Now, it may interest you to know that my own daughter was married at the WC. It was there that she met her husband, and I remember how everyone crowded in to sit close just to watch them. And there were two people to every seat that ordinarily occupied one, but our friends and our family, they were just happy to share their seats. I'll admit that my wife and I, we felt particularly relieved when it was all over. We were just truly wiped out. And because of my busy schedule, I, I can't go as often as I used to. In fact, it's been over a year since I went last. And I can tell you that I really miss going to the WC. Hey, listen, when you come, let's plan to go together when you arrive. And I will make sure to res reserve us seats up front where everybody can see us together. Funny story, how a few simple words can really have a different meaning. And ultimately, in this case, quite humorous, but in life, it can be tragic. And when I stop and I think about it, it's, it's amazing how quickly, when we live in this day and age, how quickly we can misinterpret our role, our plan, our purpose for why God has us here today. How quickly we can begin to listen to the noise down here and not listen to the noise from heaven. How quickly we can begin to allow Fox News, can I go there? Or CNN, whichever you prefer, to begin to actually dictate what you perceive to be your purpose or your plan. See, God's not, he's not like confused about what's going on. He's actually not confused about why you're here, why he created you, why he placed you in this city, in this hour, and in this day. And all of the things that we seemingly are irritated about, we begin to pull away from, we want to hide from them versus running into them. We pray for things like revival, but when it comes, we can't see it. Maybe possibly what the Lord's doing today is setting us up for one of the greatest awakenings in the history of humanity. As we watch our nation literally implode, where people are turning everywhere but to God, and there's no other options just by chance. Maybe God's placed you here, not David, not Paul, 
not Peter, not Esther. He placed you here to be his mouth, his voice to a world that desperately needs him. See, Jesus didn't say go into hibernation. If we can go back to get, make, making sure we got the message right. He didn't say go into hibernation. He said go into every nation. He, he didn't say be preoccupied until I come. He said occupy until I come. He didn't preach a gospel of come. He preached a gospel of go. So words are really important. It's really important to understand exactly what he is doing today. And so if you're taking notes today, the title of my conversation with you is Living Beyond Yourself. Living Beyond Yourself. I think it's very evident as we look around that we're living in a me-centered world. How quickly we've gone from loving our neighbors and serving each other to being entitled, self-centered, introverted people as a nation. Where it's more important about my rights versus loving other people. And we're living in this time where it's very evident that our country's divided. There's a polarization taking place. We're living in this cancel culture. If you didn't vote the way I did, I unfriend you. You're no longer my friend. I can't talk to you. And so we're living in this time where we're actually, the enemy is trying to divide when God is actually trying to use us to unify. He's trying to help us to understand that as the world is desperately looking for answers, we happen to have it, and his name is Jesus. Wait, I'll say that again. Just a second. I'll rewind. <laughs> and the answer happens to be Jesus. And so there's this scripture that comes up because we begin to recognize that Jesus kind of preaches an upside-down kingdom that's different than the world in which he lived and different from the world in which we live. And so Jesus says this, and I think it's really important. We're going to unpack this in a moment in a story. But Jesus said this, you must love the Lord your God. It's not like I suggest you must. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. I love this translation. It says, and the second is equally important. Hermeneutically, you cannot disconnect the two. He says, the second being equally important, you love... Your neighbor as yourself. And what Jesus is trying to help us understand is that your true love is not measured just by how you worship today or how you pray, but where you really can measure your love is by the way that you love your neighbor. You want to know, he says, you want to know, or you really, really want me to know how you love me. 
Let me see how you love others. That this is the context of what's being said. But this particular scripture comes in a story. And if you have your Bibles, if you would open up to Luke chapter 10, I'm going to read it in a different parable. In Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, there's a conversation that's taking place here. It's between Jesus and a religious lawyer. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 25, and then we're going to spend some time to unpack how this particular story applies to us today. It says, verse 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answers the question with a question. He says, well, what's written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? The lawyer answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So here's the scripture that we just read just a moment ago. Jesus says this, you've answered correctly. Now listen to what he says here. This is real critical. He says, do this and you'll live. He didn't say sing it. He didn't say pray it. I love what D.L. Moody says. He says, Christians don't tell lies. They just sing them. I give you my whole heart, Lord. And then we go out the door. We don't give nothing. Jesus is saying, listen, you got the answer right. He says, so go do this and you'll live. And as this story goes on, the lawyer says this, and this is really, really important to 2021. And who's my neighbor? He says, who's my neighbor? Like, it's easy for me to love people that are like me, that vote like me, that think like me. Jesus says, nope, that's not your neighbor. He says, let me tell you a story. And he begins to tell the story of a man that was on his way on a road that was beaten, left in a ditch, half dead. And there were some religious people, kind of like you and me, if we want to look at ourselves in the story, that see the condition. But it says they go to the other side. Jesus is bringing up this idea about doing, about action. He says, but there was this other man who was a Samaritan. He brings up the Samaritan because he knows that the religious lawyer would be agitated by the fact that Jesus would have the audacity to use a Samaritan, a half-breed, an enemy, someone that was so different than them, so that opposed the belief systems and lifestyles and culture. I mean, it's just like, they're so different. He says, but there was a guy like that who saw the man and went where he was. And he begins to unfold this story about what this man, his enemy, did with this good Samaritan. And in this story, what we begin to find out 
there's some things that Jesus unpacks that are really, really, really important for us to hear today. And so here are six things that I want to go through today because I think that they're critical to what God is saying. As we opened up with WC, it's just like, listen, let us not miss this morning. Like, like let's, let's, let's pretend that this just like isn't another Sunday. Let's actually believe like Jesus himself is trying to communicate something to you regarding your purpose and regarding your destiny. And, and like your life is at stake. It's like this is what he's doing with this religious lawyer. He says, you really want to inherit eternal life? He says, you really want to live? He says, then do these things. I mean, this, this is like a, a really big deal to Jesus. He puts it in the category of the two greatest commandments that could ever be spoken to mankind. So here's a couple things that we need to look at that Jesus is trying to talk to us about, about living beyond ourselves. First thing is this, is that living beyond yourself means that you go to where people are. Luke 10, 33, it says, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, it says, he came where he was. The Levite, the priest, saw the same condition but they went to the other side. Maybe it's because they were busy, maybe because they didn't want to be hurt, maybe because they didn't want to become ceremonially un unclean. Listen, they saw the problem. They saw that he voted differently. He saw that he actually believed in Black Lives Matter. He, he actually saw that, that, that he actually thought that the... Let's just go down the list of all of the challenges that we're facing. He saw the condition. They saw him. It says, but they went to the other side. Isn't that what we do so often? We get into a conflict like, I'll never talk to them again. They think that way. I'll, like, cancel culture, like, other side. And Jesus is trying to help us understand that, that the people that you're to love the most are the people that are most unlike you. And the responsibility is put on you to go to where they're at. See, Jesus is saying that what was unique about this guy is that he actually went to where he was at. I remember just a few years ago in Portland... Um, Portland's a very interesting place. And I pulled in to get gasoline at a gas station. We, we uh, have people that actually pump our gas there. You pull in and they pump for you. A lady that walks up to my car, she has a name tag on. Her name's Becky. Portland has some unique people. Becky has a bald head like me, covered with tattoos, probably 50 to 75 different artifacts, not just piercings, artifacts embedded into her skull. Bone parts, piercings, eyeballs, or excuse me, not eyeballs, but eyebrows, nose, mouth, ears, around the bottom. She is just, just fully dressed for the Portland culture. And I felt like the Holy Spirit speak to me that she was living a lesbian lifestyle. And I'm not saying that people that look like that live that. I just felt that's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. But then he spoke to me to tell her 
that he loves her. So Becky comes up and we're talking. She's pumping the gas. I says, Becky, you know, I said, um, man, I'm a Christian. And as I was sitting in my car, I really felt like God wanted you to know he loves you so much. And she looks at me and she smiles and she says, thank you so much. That really means a lot to me. And then I did something maybe that I shouldn't do. And I said, hey, I'd love to invite you to my church. She came unglued. She says, now you're turning this into a Christian thing. She says, I know all about you people. She says, you people hate me. You hate the kind of people that I represent. And I want nothing to do with you. And she took off with my card. And I'm just sitting there going, man, I missed something. Now, I could have said, you know, fry in your own grease, you know, read the book or cook, get filled or get grilled, you know, whatever. (laughs) My heart was so grieved. I'm just thinking that could be my daughter. And so when she came back with my card, I said, listen, I said, Becky, I really meant what I said. I said, God loves you so much. I said, and I love you so much. She looked at me. It's like, here's a stranger, bald head too, just telling her that I love her. To be real honest, I was, I was wrecked all week thinking about Becky. I'd wake up in the morning, I'd be praying. I'd start crying for her, crying for her soul. This would go on the entire week, Monday through Friday. Friday morning as I'm praying, the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, I want you to take a dozen roses to Becky. So I thought, man, this, this relationship's getting serious here. So I thought I probably should bring my wife into the conversation, right? <laughs> I remember my wife's drinking coffee. I said, hey, babe. I said, how are you doing this morning? She goes, oh, good. You sleep good? Yeah. I said, hey, just want to bring you up to speed on something going on in my world. She goes, oh, that's all right. What's going on, honey? I said, well, I met a girl this week. She goes, all right. I said, yeah. And, you know, and she's been on my heart all week. And you know, I've been praying for her, crying about her. She's going, oh, okay. I said, I feel like God told me I'm supposed to take her a dozen roses. My wife laughs because she knows me that there's no such thing as strangers, just friends that I haven't met yet. And she just smiled, looks at me, goes, she goes, just make sure to bring me two dozen. (laughs) So I show up at the gas station. There's Becky. I roll my window down. She comes running towards my car. I'm ready to like, like, like kung fu, you know, what's she going to do, you know? She says, hi, how are you doing? And I'm thinking, do you remember our last conversation? She says, I said, you know, Becky, I really, I, I, you've been on my heart all week. I've been praying for you. I just wanted to come back and tell you that I really, really meant what I said. I love you. And she looks at me, she goes, I love you too. And, and here I'm with this, this strange lady. We're going, I love you. I love you. I pulled the roses out, and she began to weep. She began to sob. And she says, you know, there's something different about you than every other Christian that I've ever met. She loved me despite me. Here's what happened. I went to where she was at. See, we're we're placed in this day and hour 
despite our convictions, our rights and our beliefs to go to where people are at physically, relationally, emotionally, financially, politically, our call is to be what? Light to the world, to bring light into their darkness, to bring salt or flavor into their flavorless life. And the only way that we, are are we okay this morning? The only way that we can do that, listen, that's why you and I are here and we've got to make sure that we're listening to the right noise. God placed you in that tension point, that conversation, your job, the confrontation with your neighbor, the struggle with a sibling, whatever it might be. He placed you here because he thought you were supposed to go to where they are at to bring the light, to bring the good news that they might actually change and transform the way that they think so that they have a chance to love Jesus just like you did. Pastor Mark, that is amazing. Thank you. So here's, here's the second thing that we see, and I can tell that I'm like going to run out of time here real quick. Second thing is this. Living beyond yourself means that you're driven by compassion. So he goes on, and Jesus is talking again about this good Samaritan. He says he went to where he was at, and he says in verse 33 that he had compassion. This is a Greek word, splagnizomahi, means that you actually bear someone's burdens as if it is your own. It's like your your stomach's in a knot. There's a burden. There's something that begins to just um, stir up your emotions. You get past yourself. You actually live beyond yourself, and you start thinking about them more than you think about you. And we know people that are like that. I think that's why Jesus goes after our hearts with this, and he's trying to say this. It's not necessarily what he did, but why he did it. People know the difference when you're doing something out of religious obligation or whether you're doing it because you really, really care. Here's what John 15, 13 says. It says, greater love has no man than he who lays down his life for a friend. Luke 10, 27 says, love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 16, 25 says, he who saves his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will save it. Here's the third thing that Jesus points out. And just listen to this one. Living beyond yourself means that you don't condemn others. I know it's really, really quiet here, but this is a real problem today in the world in which we live. It says this in verse 34, it says, So he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring out oil and wine. It doesn't say that he poured salt on his wounds. It doesn't say that, it's interesting because there's not even a word spoken. In fact, 46 times in the gospel, you see that Jesus comes to meet a need before he even opens his mouth to speak any kind of truth. 
And we're so quick, hey, well, you deserve the ditch. Well, if you were living like me, you wouldn't be in that ditch. Hey, if you voted like me, like, is it okay that I'm going here? Come on. And, and so we recognize that he's, he's trying to help us understand that there's a difference between acceptance and approval. I live in one of the most liberal states in the entire nation. Our governor happens to be a friend of mine. I don't believe in her policy, nor do I agree with any kind of thing that she's doing to run our state. But that's not what I'm called to judge. I'm called to love her unconditionally. I can accept her unconditionally and still disapprove of things that go on in her life or the way that she votes, or the way that she puts together policy. And because I've got into this place in my relationship with her, she gave me the honor and privilege of writing policy that changed the entire COVID restrictions for every church in our state, because I was one of the few. She actually told me, she says, it's finally refreshing to talk to an intelligent pastor that's not trying to sue me, but trying to help me. I thought, now there's a statement. And somehow we get into, if we don't approve, I can't accept you. How many are thankful that Jesus didn't think that about you? Like he goes, man, I don't approve of the way you were living. He says, but while you were still a sinner, yet I still loved you. Meaning I don't approve, but I accept. And we're in this place right now where we've got to recognize, again, I understand that people are doing wrong things or saying wrong things or sinning. In fact, they probably know it too. My job is to love them unconditionally. The way I've led our church, the way I've led my life is that I'm going to show unconditional love, but I will do it with uncompromising truth. Paul said, speak truth in love, there's a difference between the two. There's a man, his name's, uh, his, he, he recently passed away. His name was Anthony Campolo, lived in New Jersey. He was speaking at a conference in New, from New Jersey. He went to Waikiki. He's speaking at a conference, so there's a six-hour time difference. It's midnight in Hawaii, but it's 6 a.m. to his body. So he's up, middle of the night, goes down to get a cup of coffee and a piece of pie. He doesn't know that he gets into the red light district of Waikiki. About 3 a.m., he's sitting there, he's talking to the diner. It's the only two that's in there. The door swings open, ching, ding, 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 ding. In walks six ladies, they're prostitutes. They sit at the table. They start talking, and as, as he's eating, he's hearing their conversation. One of the girls, her name's Agnes, says, hey, girls, guess what? Tomorrow's my birthday. We should do a birthday party. And one of the girls said, Agnes, you're a prostitute. Prostitutes don't get birthday parties. We're doing nothing for you, girl. She storms out, cries, goes out. Anthony's sitting there, and he's eating his piece of pie, and he's watching this go on, and once again, he's, he's not approving their lifestyle, but he sees her pain. He's willing to get past the way that she lives in hopes of bringing the gospel. He leans over to the diner and says, hey, um, 
do these girls come in here every night? He says, like clockwork, 3 a.m. He goes, what would it look like if tomorrow night we did a surprise birthday party for Agnes? He goes, man, I'd love to do that. Anthony says, you do the cake. I'll get all the balloons. I'll get the little paper kazoo, the hats, the sign. He shows up at 10, 10, uh, 2 a.m., sets up all the signs. Happy birthday, Agnes. He's got his little hat on, his little paper kazoo and door. Sure enough, 3 a.m., shing, ding, 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 ding. Surprise, Agnes, happy birthday. And the girls just stop, and Agnes stops and starts to weep. She had never had a birthday party in her life. Sex trafficked since a kid. And here she is, a bald-headed stranger, throwing a birthday party. She wants to run home, get her kids. She brings them back, and she comes up to Anthony. She says, you don't even know me. You don't even know the lifestyle that I live. Like, like you're a stranger. Why would you do this for me? And Anthony says, well, you know, I, I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. And as he's trying to explain it, the diner hears and says, wait a minute. You didn't tell me you were a Christian. He says, if, you were, if, if I knew you were a Christian, we wouldn't be doing this. He says, what kind of Christian are you anyways? And he looks at him in the eye and he says, I'm the kind of Christian that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3 a.m. Can I ask you a question? Probably won't come back for another 29 years, so I can ask it. <laughs> what kind of Christian are you? Let's, let's, just, let's just stop playing church for a moment. Like when you, when you see that person that's really unlike you, do you find yourself like the religious lawyer judging them? being critical, condemning? Are you thinking about a way to simply love them? Jesus is driving home some real important truths for us. He's trying to help us understand, listen, that's why you are here sucking air on planet Earth today. And I don't want to miss the day of our visitation. I think we're living on the crest of one of the greatest awakening in history. And he's put you and me here to be a part of it. 11.30, let me read these three and then I'm done here. Living beyond yourself means that you yield your rights for others. Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 10, 38. He says, he who doesn't deny himself, his opinions, his rights, and take up his cross daily, he says this, is not worthy of me. Like, like that's like hard language. And so what is it that God's asking us to yield? Our time, our money? Our emotions, our thoughts. There's something there. I mean, life's really busy. We get really isolated. But Jesus is trying to help us understand that we need to 
yield our rights for others. The next one's living beyond yourself means that you love God's house and help others to love it too. It says he brought him to an inn. He brought him to a safe place. He brought him to a refuge. And so this, this has to be a place of refuge. Again, it doesn't mean that we are creating a culture of uniformity, but we should create a culture of unity. Where when people come in, it's just like they see something different. We love each other. Whether you're wearing a mask or not. Whether you think we should be meeting or not. Whether racism really exists or not. It's like, there's nothing that you and I agree, we don't agree upon everything, period, ever. I don't even agree with my wife on everything. Does that mean I'm going to cancel her out? I don't agree. You're on the couch. It's just like, wow. We're just a bunch of strange birds. We're like unique beings with thoughts and emotions and perspectives. And we're on different journeys and experiences. And it's just, it's learning just to have grace and understand and love others the way that you want to be loved and be patient and kind. And you read 1 Corinthians 13 and he says that, you know, Mark is patient and Mark is kind and Mark doesn't behave rudely and Mark keeps no score of wrongs. And it's like, that's the noise that we should be hearing. I, I, I wrote this and I love what I wrote here, by the way. I wrote this about your house. NTC is a house. This is God's view of you. Is a house where people are set free, saved, healed, delivered, protected, encouraged, and empowered. It's a place where needs are met. Relationships are built. Marriages are restored. Growth takes place. Grace is extended. Forgiveness is offered, and children are raised to love God. It's a place where everyone can find purpose, peace, joy, happiness, contentment, and fulfillment. It's a place where you can find God and the cross and meet with Jesus, the anchor of our souls. The church is his bride, his love, his passion. He died for her. He lives for her. He forever intercedes for her. He protects her. He provides her. He fills her. This is the church that Jesus had in mind. It's the church that people need to see. And lastly is this, living beyond yourself means that you follow through to the end. You stick it out with that person that you've prayed for or shared with that hasn't changed in the last 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 35 years. I prayed for my dad every single day, an atheist, 35 years. And he gave his life to Christ 12 hours before he died. I'm glad that I was faithful to pray and to love him despite him to the day he went to Jesus. I, I want to finish with the story. And if I could have the worship team up to the stage. I remember hearing the story of a single mom, six-year-old son. His name was Bopsy. 
dying of cancer. And he was in a cancer ward, an oncology ward at a hospital. Bobsy wanted to grow up to be a fireman. And because he was failing quickly, the mom decided that maybe she can just add some level of joy or hope in his very short life. So she picks up the phone, reluctantly to make a call to a neighboring fire department. She gets the captain on the phone. And she says, excuse me, sir. Says, I'm a single mom. I have a boy. His name's Bobsy. He's dying of cancer. And says, you know, he wanted to be a fireman. And, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering, I know you're real busy, and I know there's lots going on, but is there any way, like, that you could, like, maybe send one of your guys down and, and maybe bring some stickers and one of those plastic red hats? It would really mean a lot to Bobsy. This is where you do keyboard because it really sounds anointed right here. That's funny, isn't it? That's not even in my notes. That's good. Captain, he's a believer, starts to cry. He says to the mom, ma'am, I can do better than that. He says, next week, we'd love to pick him up and make him a fireman for a day. We'll go ahead and we'll make an outfit for him, get some boots fitted. We'll take him out and be with our dog. He can pull the horn, turn on the siren. So they pick him up and they take him all over for the day. <laughs> Woo! Bobsy is just so invigorated by this love. He actually takes a turn for the better. And he would actually go on and live about another year before he'd have a relapse and he would end up back in the hospital. This time it didn't look good. On the last day before he passed away, mom picks up the phone one last time, calls this fire captain. Says, I'm all alone down here. I'm really having a tough time. They told me that Bobsy's not going to make it. You were so kind to me, and I'm just wondering if, like, there's a chance, like, the send someone over just to be with me to mean a lot captain starts crying again and says ma'am we're going to do better than that so I want you to go out to the desk I want you to tell them that I'm going to pull a three alarm fire and I'm going to get firemen from all over the city to pull up I want you to open the window to his room we're coming in through the window and here's this little boy all alone mom is desperate. All of a sudden, she hears it from afar. Woo! Woo! <clears throat> Fire trucks surround the hospital, up the window, come in. They're crying. They're praying. Just to love a stranger. Like they stop their busyness and their world to just simply live life beyond themselves. Like, what would it look like? Let's just, let's just dream for a second and then I'm going to be done. What would it look like if today every one of us made this decision? 
Lord, today I choose to live beyond myself. Lord, I'm going to take my opinions, my ideas, the way that I've canceled people out, my busyness, my pride, my complacence, whatever it is, I'm going to take my blank. I'm just going to put it at your feet. And I'm going to say, Jesus, I choose today to live beyond myself. I wonder what would happen to this region. You know what I do every morning I wake up, I pray this prayer. Lord, today, put someone in my path that I can share with. I think of probably the dozen plus people that I've been able to witness to or share just since I've been here two days. The lady at the counter, just the different people all over this city, so kind. Like, thank you for inviting me to church. Thank you for praying for me. Can we, can we do like this, like a real interesting altar call? Every eye open and every head up. If you're sitting here today and you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you, saying, I think I need to make some adjustments. I need to go where people are at. I need to stop condemning or being critical. I need to yield my rights. I need to show compassion. I need to follow through to the end. That's you. You just simply just say, I'm going to stand up so everybody sees me. I'm making that statement today. It's up to you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Lord, we... uh, we stop in this holy moment and we just thank you that you lived life beyond yourself Lord that you came and you you died for us you gave everything so that we could live and you told us to live that way Lord I thank you for these beautiful people this wonderful church that you have used literally for 40 years. And Lord, we know that the best is yet to come. Lord, just as, Lord, every person in here that has stood up has made a confession, Lord, I pray that they turn the proclamation into demonstration. Lord, I pray that you put people in their path. Lord, I pray today that you transform them. Lord, I pray that people come to Jesus as a result of this one prayer. And so, Lord, I pray you anoint them, you strengthen them, you encourage them, help them to love people just the way that you did. And one last thing as we're standing, if there's anybody that walked in here, anybody that's online, you've actually walked in here and you feel far from God and you just simply want to say, you know, I need to get my life right with God. I need to accept Christ into my heart or I need to get back to Him. 
If that's you, I just want to pray for you. Just real quickly, just hand up. Just say, Pastor Mark, you're speaking to me. Come on, right now, just put it up. You know who you are. Anybody at all? Just lift their hand. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Lord, we thank you for this beautiful time. Thank you for the word of God and speaking to us. We love you. We praise you. And this is a great place to give Jesus a big old shout. Come on, amen. Let's give him a hand. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.